Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Commonwealth Beat, the public affairs program where the focus is Pennsylvania. The people, places, events, and services that keep this Commonwealth moving forward. I'm Laura LeBeau, Director of Public Affairs Programming for Seven Mountains Media, Pennsylvania. This past week, the epicenter of the Pennsylvania agricultural world was the Farm Show Complex in Harrisburg, where the 108th Pennsylvania Farm Show took place. If you're looking for something PA amazing, it's the Pennsylvania Farm Show, the largest indoor agricultural event in the United States. The annual gathering brings together farmers from every corner of the Commonwealth and showcases the quality and diversity of Pennsylvania's agricultural industry and the people who make it thrive. Whether visitors get an up-close and personal view of dairy cows, market swine, or the size and complexity of today's modern farming equipment, there's no question that agriculture is central to the lives of every Pennsylvanian. After all, we all like to eat, and that's why our focus is on the importance of farming in Pennsylvania. On this week's edition of the Commonwealth Beat. Pennsylvania agriculture employs some 500,000 people statewide and contributes over $132 billion to the Commonwealth's economy every year. For the past nine years, the Department of Agriculture has been overseen by Secretary Russell Redding, who was the only cabinet member of former Governor Tom Wolf to stay in the administration for both terms. He was then asked to continue in his role by Governor-elect Josh Shapiro. Redding admits he had to do a lot of soul-searching and get the blessing of his wife Nina, which he received. Here on the Commonwealth Beat, I've had the opportunity to speak at length with Secretary Redding, discussing such hot-button issues as farmland preservation and how the Ag Department helps food banks in Pennsylvania keep food on their shelves. But at the farm show this year, Redding celebrated the fifth anniversary of the Pennsylvania Farm Bill, of which he's largely considered the architect. Initially passed as a slate of bills in 2019, the Pennsylvania Farm Bill has provided over $150 million to hundreds of projects, including new programs to fund farm business planning, conservation, small-scale meat processing, and promotion of Pennsylvania preferred farm products. Speaking at the public officials' luncheon on Wednesday, Secretary Redding said creating partnerships is what agriculture is all about. It's interwoven within the PA Farm Bill, and it's evident in the partnership with the U.S. Department of Agriculture under the leadership of Secretary Tom Vilsack, who was also in attendance at Wednesday's luncheon. I've gotten to know the Secretary over the years, and, and uh, you know, it's just been a wonderful sort of journey of getting to know uh, a former governor of Iowa who understands ag uh, really well. Uh, but to watch him uh, over the last couple of years has really been extraordinary. There's never been more uh, resources available to invest in Pennsylvania or American agriculture than we have today. Never. He can talk about that. He talks about it well. But thank you. 
I've gotten to know him through the Equity Commission and a lot of work being done. And I, I thought, and I've shared this with some of you, that I thought I understood sort of agriculture um, in, in the country, uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, but I realized that when we get to the table, when you're talking about some of the issues of uh, equity, uh, everybody, again, it's like community. They have a different definition of what is equity. And how does that appear? And what does it look like? Uh, and what does it look like in regions of the country from north to south? What does it look like for Native Americans in, in, in this country? That was all part of this conversation. And just a shout-out to say that in that presentation of the Equity Commission, the recognition of farm workers, farm workers, was really an important piece that I thought was making a statement of both the value of these farm workers and what they do for both agriculture and American ag to let us sort of enjoy all of this stuff. But their voice at that table is really critical. So, Mr. Secretary, thank you for that work as well. But I want to say uh, today that we are also in that partnership, the work that we've done um, in, in the uh, over the last couple of years is a resilient food system infrastructure grant. Uh, that will address a lot of the issues that we have talked about uh, in Pennsylvania about the supply chain and how do you strengthen that resilience. Uh, we're announcing today the $26 million uh, program through the USDA to Pennsylvania that goes back out to our counties and our uh, state. And it's going to do a lot of different things, but just to say uh, that it's, it's at the very heart, it gets at this resilient food system, right? We've all identified the last couple of years where there are gaps, where you need to strengthen that. Uh, this um, uh, resilient food system infrastructure grant will allow us to do that. It addresses the issues of economic growth and opportunity for the small and underserved farms. It increases community development. It gets at some of the meat processing, dairy processing, uh, and, and really gets some of the conversation and partnerships that I think are an extension of the work that we've done uh, with the PA Farm Bill, you're going to see that inside uh, this Resilient Food System Infrastructure Grant uh, with a partnership with the USDA is really the key to that. It's another one of those installments that I've, I've mentioned of the USDA. Secretary Redding mentioned working alongside Tom Vilsack on the Equity Commission. He was referring to the USDA's Equity Commission and its Subcommittee on Agriculture, which Vilsack established in 2022. Redding is one of 15 members providing insight on equity in agriculture and federal farm, conservation, and extension programs. Having the federal government's highest agriculture official visiting the Pennsylvania Farm Show was... As Governor Shapiro told luncheon attendees on Wednesday, a big darn deal. But maybe not totally unexpected. That's because Vilsack has an interesting history with the Keystone State. Although he is a former two-term governor of Iowa, Tom Vilsack is a native of Pittsburgh. He was born into an orphanage and adopted in 1951. After graduating law school, he moved to Mount Pleasant, Iowa, his wife Christie's hometown, where he practiced law and eventually moved into politics. He's the 32nd United States Secretary of Agriculture and, more importantly in his view, a lifelong Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I'll just simply say this. I'm pretty sure that I'm the only cabinet member uh, that has a terrible towel in his official vehicle. 
I could spend my entire uh, time today talking about your, your Secretary of Agriculture. Uh, he is one of the best in the country. Um, he cares deeply and passionately about all of you. Uh, he is incredibly knowledgeable about every aspect of agriculture, and, in, and as we all know, agriculture is a lot more complex and complicated than many people realize. Uh, he is incredibly proud of what happens in the Commonwealth in terms of agriculture. He is very innovative and future-oriented. Uh, the fact that he has put together uh, a, a Pennsylvania Farm Bill, which is reflective of the investments the state is making in encouraging more opportunities for agriculture, I think, is an indication uh, of his extraordinary leadership. And I know within the, uh, the association and group of secretaries and commissioners and directors of agriculture that uh, folks genuinely look to Russell for leadership, uh, for direction, for advice and counsel. Uh, and I, for one, uh, have uh, probably asked him to do more than I should have. I want to thank Mr. Rennie. I want to thank you very much for the sacrifice you're making, because when he's working for me, he's not with you. Uh, and I understand and appreciate the sacrifices that families make uh, to allow a, a, an extraordinary public servant uh, to do the work that he does. You know, I'm often asking this job, what keeps me up at night? Uh, and I'd like to have a, a serious conversation with all of you today about exactly what it is that keeps me up at night, uh, about American agriculture. Uh, and it's this. Uh, I gave a speech about a year ago, and after I gave the speech, a young man came up to me and he said, Mr. Secretary, you should really talk uh, uh, and you should read uh, the report that Secretary Berglund in 1981 produced about American agriculture, uh, because it's very consistent with the concerns that you raise. And I went back and I looked at the report. And he was essentially talking about the change that had taken place in the 1970s across American agriculture uh, in which we transitioned from a supply management system uh, that essentially treated farmers pretty well during the Depression and, and after uh, to a market-oriented system uh, where we were told and farmers were told, go out and produce what you can produce. Uh, in fact, I think it was Secretary Butts who said, fence row to fence row, plant produce as much as you can because the country needs more calories, the world needs more calories. And American agriculture responded. But Secretary Berglund expressed a concern about whether or not this was going to result in larger farms and the impact that that could have on small communities. So I decided to do some research about this, and it turns out that since 1981, since Secretary Berglund gave us that concern, we've lost 437,300 farms. That's 437,000 operations that were in business in my lifetime, in your lifetime, that are no longer in the farming business. Uh, to give you a sense of how many farmers that is, that's every farmer today in the following states, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, and Colorado. In addition, we've lost 141 million acres of farm land. That is land that was in farming that today is not in farming. To give you a sense of how much land mass that is, that's Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, and Maryland. 
when asked about this, a, a number of folks have basically said, well, that's just kind of the way things are. Uh, in American agriculture, you've got to get big or you've got to get out. Well, I'm here today to tell you that's what keeps me up at night. The notion that the only option we have in agriculture is for us to say to folks, you've got to get bigger. Because that means that we have to see a continued diminishment of rural communities, which I believe is not in the best interest of this country. I think there are things that happen in small communities and small towns that make this country unique and different and significant. So I think it's incumbent upon a Department of Agriculture and an administration to see if there is a different way, a better way of approaching this. And I've come to Pennsylvania for a specific reason today, because it is Pennsylvania that I think is at the epicenter of how we can do this differently. This Pennsylvania Farm Bill, it essentially says it's about more new and better markets. It's about creating an environment in which there are different income streams coming into that same farming operation so that you're not just dependent, not just dependent on selling a commodity, but that you get a higher value for that commodity or that while you're selling that commodity, there are other income streams that result from the way in which you operate your farm. More new and better markets. Well, what specifically does that mean? Well, first of all, it means a commitment to strong local and regional food systems. Now, why is that important? Well, if you go to the grocery store today across America and you put your dollar down for groceries, need to know that every dollar that you put down, only 15 cents of it actually goes to the people producing whatever it is you're buying. Only 15 cents goes to farmers. But if you go to a farmer's market or you're involved in a farm-to-school program or you're involved in a farm-to-restaurant opportunity, that dollar that you're spending at that restaurant at that farmer's market, nearly 50 cents of every dollar goes to farmers. So a commitment to a strong local and regional food system results in a better deal for farmers. So what has this state done? It's partnered with us. Uh, Russell mentioned the partnership between Pennsylvania and USDA. Just since I've been secretary, we've invested nearly $59 million in a variety of programs to support local and regional food systems. It may be a value-added producer grant that allows the dairy industry to produce a yogurt product. It may be a farm-to-school program which allows a producer to sell directly to the, to the school, uh, thereby eliminating the middleman for the school and for the farmer. It may be an innovative and creative opportunity that Russell Redding has taken full advantage of, of developing what are called local food purchasing agreements, where you work collaboratively with food banks in which food banks, as they purchase food for needy families, understand the importance of purchasing from local and regional producers. In fact, he's working with 13 food banks across the Commonwealth. He's already helped 131 producers access new market opportunities. Russell mentioned the Resilient Food Infrastructure Program, $26.5 million we provide to Russell, and basically we say to him, do what you need to do with processors and producers and shippers and people in the middle of the supply chain to strengthen that supply chain. Do what you need to do to make sure that that supply chain provides opportunities to small and mid-sized operators, including those who are owned by women or veterans or socially disadvantaged producers. Do what you can 
to increase value-added opportunities for the fruits and vegetables that are being produced in the Commonwealth. Do what you can with those resources to train more people so that you've got a workforce. Do what you can to expand dairy processing because it is an integral part of your economy. Do what you can to improve product safety so that you never, ever have a problem with market opportunities. Do what you can to eliminate food deserts so that everyone in the Commonwealth has access to decent food. We trust you and Russell to invest those resources appropriately, and we're excited about the opportunity that this presents. This is an example of local and regional food systems and investments in them. There's also an opportunity as well for additional income sources with our Climate Smart Agriculture opportunity. I know that folks in Pennsylvania are committed to sustainable agriculture. I know that you've got organizations and groups that are committed to sustainability. I know that you have embraced fully and completely the Climate Smart Agriculture and Forestry Commodity Partnership Initiative. This is an initiative that we started at USDA in which we put resources on the table there are 28 projects involving Pennsylvania. 43 of your commodities are engaged. 123 climate smart practices. We're going to pay farmers and producers investing nearly a billion dollars over time in those projects to embrace climate smart practices, to reduce the risk of doing so from a financial perspective. Now, why are we going to do that? I'll tell you why. When folks say get big or get out, here's the problem. To get big, you've got to have income. You may not realize this, but the last three years are the best three years in net cash farm income in the history of the United States. Best years ever. Now, when I say that to farmers, I get that look, and I'm getting it right now. It's like, what's he talking about? That's not my experience. Well, here's why it's not your experience. Because in addition to the consolidation of farmland and the loss of farmland, we've also seen a consolidation of farm income. And I'm all for production agriculture. I think it's an inc incredibly important component of our agriculture. It, it provides those calories for our nation and, and, uh, and provides a food secure nation. It provides export opportunities, all of which is important. But here's the problem. In those record years, if you look at farms that generated more than $500,000 in annual sales, that represents about 7.5% of all farms or about 150,000 in number. Of that number, about 50,000 of them are owned by investment bankers. So when you talk about family farming operations, you're talking about about 100,000 operations. 7.5% of farms, 89% of the income. 89% of the income. Which means, not great in math, Governor, but good enough because I was educated here, 92.5%, nearly 2 million farms, had to share 11%. So it's tough to ask farmers to embrace climate-smart agriculture when they are just operating on slim margins. That's why it's important for us to de-risk that process by providing the resources to embrace those and then to say, we're going to team you up with markets that will pay you more for those sustainable products. And then we say, we're going to measure and monitor and verify and report the results of all of this so that you can sell that environmental result on an environmental market a new source of income. And then we say, we're going to encourage you to figure out ways in which the agricultural waste that's produced in whatever it is you're growing and raising can be converted into something far more valuable. My favorite example is sustainable aviation fuel. There's no reason in the world, Governor, why your forest waste, 
why your agricultural waste can't be converted into the 36 billion gallons that we're going to need to fly our airplanes. Think about it for just a second. I sort of understand the electric car concept, which is if the battery wears out, you pull to the side of the road, you call on your cell phone, and you say, hey, I need a charge. But if you're in an airplane, (laughs) it doesn't work that well. So we're not going to have battery-powered planes with long distance. We're not going to have hydrogen-powered planes for a long, long time. We're going to need sustainable aviation fuel. It's a new industry that can support a million rural jobs. And we have projects within this Climate Smart uh, operation that will be supportive of producing that kind of fuel. This is the future. It's the wood products innovations that we're investing in in this state, uh, eight projects, several million dollars. Uh, It's ecosystem markets, and it's also the ability to take uh, renewable energy and allow RECs and municipal utilities to transition so that they have a more balanced portfolio uh, through our Renewable Energy for America program. It's all of this, and let me finish, as to why this is important. Russell mentioned a resilient food system. It's not just about a resilient uh, food system. It's more than that. It's not just about the national security uh, imperative of being able to feed ourselves. It's not just about stemming the loss of farmland and and farms. It's not just about rural prosperity. It's about that dinner room table conversation that needs to take place in this country where moms and dads and grandparents can say to their children and grandchildren, there is a way in which we can continue this farming operation There is a way in which we can grow this farming operation. There is a way in which we can be profitable and do right by the environment and by the country. It's even more than that. It's even more than that. Because when you shrink opportunity in rural America, you shrink the population of rural America. When you shrink the population of rural America, you shrink the number of people capable and available for service in our military. Why? Because a disproportionate number of our young people in the military come from those small towns. Why is that? And this is where I will finish. It is because those young people grow up in a community that expresses a value system to them. It's a value system that every farmer in this audience understands and appreciates, which is that you can't keep taking from the land. You have to replenish it from time to time. You have to give back in order for it to give to you. It is a fundamental aspect of farming. And that value system is transferred to everyone who grows up around that with the understanding that if there is something that's providing value to you, you have a responsibility to give something back. And these kids understand that in a country that gives you the freedom and the opportunity to dream and to be whatever you want to be, that there is a responsibility to give back. So we're committed to growing that rural economy, to growing farming opportunities, to more new and better markets, because at the end of the day, we're committed to the value system that you represent, because I believe it it is one of the things that makes the United States of America unique and a great nation. The announcement by Secretaries Redding and Vilsack that the USDA is awarding Pennsylvania more than $26 million to strengthen the food supply chain infrastructure was not the only news made during the public officials' luncheon at the farm show. 
Governor Shapiro got into the act as well, with news related to his administration's continuing commitment to Pennsylvania farmers and the state's agriculture industries. You know, this time last year, roughly a week before I was sworn in as your governor, I had the good fortune of being able to speak at this luncheon. And I made a commitment to all of you that ag would be central in our administration's work. Now, a year later, I can come back today as your governor and report that we are making good on that promise. Too oftentimes, ag gets left out of conversations about economic growth and opportunity. On our watch, that is no longer the case in Pennsylvania. In the same sentence, when we talk about biotech and manufacturing, we are now talking about ag and our farmers. That is the approach that we're taking in the Shapiro-Davis administration. In a few weeks, Secretary Seiger, the Department of Community and Economic Development, will roll out our economic development strategy, something this Commonwealth has not had for over 30 years. It'll be a blueprint for how we compete and grow over the next decade. And I want to announce to you here today that agriculture will be one of the four pillars of opportunity here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We are betting on ag for the future prosperity of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. This is the first time ever agriculture will be at that table of economic progress. And I believe in all of you, and I believe in the future of Pennsylvania, and I believe we can do that together. But in order for us to be fully successful, to achieve our full potential, we've got to invest real capital in our farmers, connect them to the people in communities, and open up new markets for them. Many of you have heard me say this over and over and over again. In our administration, we've got a GSD attitude. As a family event, so I'll just say that stands for get stuff done. We've got a get stuff done attitude in our administration. And we have worked together to make sure that ag is central to that GSD attitude. The first bipartisan budget that I signed as governor boosts the Department of Agriculture budget by more than 6%, invests $13.8 million to fully fund the Pennsylvania Farm Bill for a fifth year. We increased funding for the Fresh Food Financing Initiative by $2 million to give our communities better access to Pennsylvania-grown, processed, and produced foods. Put another $2 million into the state food purchase program, ensuring our neighbors in need don't go hungry and can benefit from the incredible agriculture products that we have here in the Commonwealth. We invested a half a million dollars in the Center for Plant Excellence. We awarded dozens of grants to help new farmers get off the ground and start successful businesses. We put nearly a half a million dollars in youth apprenticeship and training programs to grow the next generation of farmers. And here's a fun fact from today the Secretary shared with me earlier, and this is something we should all take great pride in. I see some of you over there. We have the largest number of first-year FFA members in the history of this Commonwealth, 960 strong. The future looks bright. Thank you. We understand how critically important they are. We also understand how critically important it is to protect our farmland. We have protected over 13,000 acres of farmland on 166 farms from development that would have taken that land out of the hands of farmers. We secured $3.3 million to renew investments in our Center for Dairy Excellence and create a new Pennsylvania Organic Center 
of excellence. Consider this for a second. Pennsylvania is third in the nation for organic sales, with more than a billion dollars of organic sales every year. Third is nice, but I'm competitive as hell. I don't want to be third or fourth. I want to be first in the nation, and we are making the investments to do just that. That is why I was proud to sign bipartisan legislation creating Pennsylvania preferred organics brand to build on our reputation of organics across the country. Governor Shapiro lauded Secretary Vilsack and the USDA for providing the Commonwealth with the $26 million grant. He said Pennsylvania farmers will deliver. And just as the 108th Pennsylvania Farm Show has wrapped up its 2024 run, so too are we wrapping up this edition of the Commonwealth Beat. But before I go, I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for stories, guests, or a suggestion for the PA Amazing segment, please drop me a line. The email address is commonwealthbeat at sevenmountainsmedia.com. And the seven is the number, not the word. That's Commonwealth Beat at SevenMountainsMedia.com. I'm Laura LeBeau, Director of Public Affairs Programming for Seven Mountains Media, Pennsylvania. Until next time, make it a PA-mazing week. <laughs>